change the way you think about yourself and relationships forever. Your weekly dose of mind-opening audio goodness starts here with the Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to another Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. Today we have Jasmine Hanna on the line. How are you doing, Jasmine? I'm so good, Steve. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. And uh, Jasmine is in Austria, uh, Salzburg, Austria, and we're going to be talking today about a few different things. Uh, Jasmine's own personal journey, which is coming from a Islamic background into mm-hmm. into now working for ISTA, uh, the International School of Temple Arts, and doing her own work in the around the Egyptian mystery schools and teaching about sensuality and sexuality. So that's going to be a very interesting journey to talk about. So yeah, Jasmine, uh, my first question for you then is: Could you tell us a little bit more about your journey, uh, perhaps from starting from the Islamic background, or perhaps before then, but definitely. Uh, bringing bringing that into focus. Sure, Steve, and I'll do my best to be quite brief about it because, as everyone has, it's quite an extensive journey. Mm-hmm. So my journey did start in. Um, uh, I did grow up in an Islamic um, household, and my father is Egyptian, and um, religion was a very important part of the upbringing. And with religion, often comes a very um, very patriarchal kind of hierarchical. <laughs> Uh, uh, way of life, which was, this is what you have to do, and you follow those orders. And um, for me, being quite an artistic, imaginative child, I stepped into religion and took it deeply to heart. And God, as a child, was this loving presence. And of course, once I started to hit my puberty, um, I felt extremely ashamed. And uh, this sweet essence of God and eternity became a punishing dominant figure in my life. And that started, began the breaking out of the system. And ultimately it was something I'm realizing now that I allowed myself to enter. And as children, we don't really have a choice. We're in it. Um, So at the age of um, about 18, that's when I radically started to break out. And it wasn't an easy journey. Um, it required a lot of courage to move through the, the belief of hell. And actually, there was a conscious choice when I was 17 where I thought, this is it. I'm either going to go through this hell and die now and move through these hell fires. And if they exist, then, and I survive it, I'll come back and tell people, yeah, it exists. And if I burn for all eternity, then I'll take that risk and burn for all eternity. And maybe it doesn't exist. Great. But I knew I couldn't stay a lifetime in that thought pattern. Because for me, being the way I was as this child with an imagination, I knew I had to create an out. Like, I had to know. I had to know the answer. Mm. Um, I was also very blessed to have a sister till this day, which is one of my closest allies and dearest friends. And together with the power of dreaming, dreaming our future, um, not believing that this was going to be our outcome, you know, marrying the men that we were meant to marry, staying in Islam. And Islam or religion for me was like a way, it was an imprint in my mind that dominated and controlled my every action. 
till I was afraid sometimes to think thoughts that were wrong in case of being punished. So it was very extreme. Um, and through this power of dreaming, through the power of imagination, and also through this rebellious action, like, no, I'm going to do this, I actually just leapt uh, and jumped. And I won't go too much into detail right now. Let's just take that as a symbolic, um, an, a symbolic figure. But I really did jump. And I realized there was hell. And hell was inside. And I was burning with fires. I was burning inside. And these were ultimately what I came to realize, the fires of radical transformation. And so sometimes we have to burn. I had to burn to get through. Um, hell is in our minds. Hell is the, the trap, the, the, those thought forms that keep us in a limiting reality. And it was until I came to meditate years later that I realized this is all part of my inner world. And we have the power to transform our inner world. And it can be, and it is a beautiful journey to access that place and begin to become a co-creator of our own destiny. So there is a power within. It takes guts. It takes sometimes fire. And it takes sometimes pain. But moving through it is the only way. Um, and then I left to London, and years later, uh, uh, I, a few years later, I went to India. And that's where I came into Vipassana. I realized the power of yoga, the power of silence, the power of observation, and the presence that comes with that. And that was my first tapping into my inner masculine, um, where there wasn't havoc and chaos, but there was a place of deep serenity. Um, a deep anchoring in silence and just witnessing how things unfold. And that was a very powerful moment of my life where I realized I could sit and just witness and not be so emotionally involved, um, involved with the world around me. Um, and that led me ultimately to uh, Germany where I met a beautiful woman who this day is still a beautiful, powerful older sister who's an artist and a doula of the dying. And that's where I realized how important art is. It was for me, it was creativity, painting, dancing, gardening, homeopathy, the, um, the power to change clay into figures with life. And I came into this access of life force energy that was ultimately the feminine, the womb, the feminine mysteries. And at the time I had been celibate for, um, that whole period of my life, I was celibate for five years, three years by choice, <laughs> where I thought, I want to know the power of my creative sexual energy. So I chose to be celibate. And the last two, I realized I was so afraid in the last two years of actually connecting with anyone because of those three years and because of my upbringing. So um, and I didn't want to live that way. I didn't want to be afraid of my 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 sensuality, which was I was always quite sensual but through these years of celibacy I became super sensual and my practice at the time was breathing in this life force energy called breath and allowing it to penetrate my cells and in this penetrative process I became extremely aroused in my silence and was making love to this eternal presence that was 
back then I thought this is the only lover I will ever have because this is the eternal beloved. And that practice shaped a lot of the practices and even on till this day, which is we are our own lovers and everything outside that we project of our loneliness and our emptiness is because there's a emptiness deep within to be with oneness, to be with creator and to be with our innermost beloved. Yes, and then uh, I studied Ayurveda, and I went back to India and came back. I realized I needed to study theater. For me, there was so much drama still running in me, and I could notice that the world was running in dramas, stories. Human mind creates stories, and living in these dramas creates so much of what our relationship is on the planet these days. There's stories led by dramas that have been picked up through media or through parents or through watching how people interact. And um, I didn't want to live in drama. So I thought, well, I have to first learn about drama and embody it and come to a place of absolute stillness within so I can take on all these personalities. But deep within, there's just what is. Um, so I took on that and I studied drama. Um, I had to leave, though. After three years, I left. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came, um, and that's when I entered Tantra, that's when I started Tantric Massage, that's when I uh, eventually met Des, and that's been a powerful part of my life too, and journeying with the Issa tribe, and realizing this is why I was, this is what I'm here for, this is my life journey, and this is the practice of it, the translation of it, how we're coming together as human beings bringing all our life experience and coming together in a circle called tribe. And that's radically shifting things around the world. And so I feel blessed that I found people and beings that I resonate with. And more and more people are stepping into this powerful vortex from all walks of life. Um, And in the last four years, the Egyptian mystery school being where I'm from, which is the land of Egypt has opened up deeply in my inner world. And that's where I feel a lot of ancient practices that are coming back into this modern day world are sharing about the importance of sexuality, the importance of life force energy, the importance of power, the importance of, 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 of our, not our lust, but of our deep desire to make love, our deep desire to feel, our deep desire to experience our inner rage and to cry our tears and to be as absolutely divinely human as possible. Wow. Um, So many questions I have. I'm going to start by going back to the beginning. When you first realized that your religion, Islam, was um, kind of suppressing you, what, what did you do to break out and what did your family, friends think at that point? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I'll answer the second question first, which is what did my family think? My family thought I was crazy, <laughs> literally, absolutely crazy. And to be totally transparent, I was brought an exorcist because um, there was this belief that I was possessed by a demon. And in Islam, it is also a very... A metaphysical kind of transpersonal religion too um, and I was brought up with these beliefs that as a human being we have a twin soul and your twin soul or your twin yeah it's a twin soul either lives in heaven or lives in hell it's either feminine or masculine in my case 
uh, my twin uh, soul was a de- was demonic and was masculine. And so I was led to believe that this demon had fallen in love with me because I looked at myself naked in the mirror and wanted to drag me into hell. Sorry, so, this is an Islamic belief or just your own personal belief? No, this is what I was shared. This is what I was told that, and it kind of makes sense that, um, you know. You still believe it now? I, I believe I believe that there are forces within us. Like if, you know, for those who've done the ISTA level two, you'll realize there's a light masculine, light feminine, uh, dark masculine, dark feminine. And beings have different dormant personalities. So some people have a very light masculine. Some are very airy, very beautiful and tranquil in their nature. And some are more, you know, yeah, it was more... Uh, is more uh, denser and darker, but also it's a program and it's a belief and it doesn't matter because as humanity, we have all these aspects of our being. So I was programmed to believe that and And, I did. And what age was this when you had the exorcists around and your parents thought you were going crazy? I was 17, 18 at the time. And I remember I had this thought, Steve, which was I went into the, I looked at myself in the mirror and I smiled. And at that point, I was really distraught that they would bring an exorcist and believe I was possessed. I was like, guys, it's so obvious. I need to breathe. I need to dance. But I looked in the mirror and I looked and I said, Yasmin, this is your movie. This is your life. You are the director of your own life. You are the director of the movie. And at that point, I started a whole journey. And it wasn't easy. I mean, for those who know me, they'll see scars on my arms. I did cut myself. I did... And I led myself into this journey of, it was a little bit self-destructive. Um, but there was a flicker of consciousness in it all where I knew this was the only way out for me that I knew at the time, which was to claim my life, all of it. Even if I had to die, it was my life and no one could take that away from me. Um, so that, that sense of disconnect from my family, disconnect and just claiming my life and owning it and saying I'm free to do whatever with my life at this moment gave me the power to move forward. What do you advise now for people who are in kind of very strong religious families, whether it's Islam or another one, Mm. that uh, they do, they they kind of feel this urge that something isn't right or that there's more to life, there's more to their sensuality and, and things like that. What do you advise to those those people listening? Yeah, that's a, that's quite a question, Steve, because everyone is in their own way, on their own soul journey, and we all go through our different lessons through life. And for some, it is to burn through that and stay where they are. And for those more radical who they will find those people, I feel it's very important to have a support network and to not feel alone in your journey. I had my sister, she held my hand through it all. She supported me and loved me and she dreamt with me. Um, And others will find there's always people around, especially now where we have the internet. It's easy to connect with like-minded beings, but to connect with people who have that hope, who feel that flicker of hope in their hearts and together come and whether it's create art together, art, from what I understand and what I'm seeing in the youth in Egypt or in the Middle East, 
they're coming together and creating amazing art. And that is a way of expressing, a way of releasing, a way of moving through things too, rather than keeping it all locked into our inner world. Um, there's ways online now. You can go online and listen to a beautiful guided meditation that can bring that sense of ease and peace. Um, I wish I had access to that in the past. I didn't have that form of internet where I could uh, reach out. But I did read books. I read a lot of poetry at the time. It soothed my soul. I wrote a lot of poetry at the time. Um, you can download so many inspiring clips and movies of others. I feel to not be alone in the journey, reaching out and also to find ways to find your ease and your creativity and your expression in all that you do. And a part of what I'm really passionate about is bringing ways of this emotional release and transformational work to the Middle East because there are ways to um, release some of this rage and anger and grief without attacking the people around who don't know better. Um, they don't know how to do better. They're doing what they're trained and programmed to do themselves. So being able to have these tools of transformation also really helps. And it's step by step. It's really happening, Steve. And I'm seeing it a lot of a lot of that starting to happen in the Middle East, too, and mm. around the world and all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the phrase that expression relieves depression. And we have to think of expression in, in more creative ways rather than anger and, and violence uh, so these these ways i'm reminded recently in the news that there's a guy from syria who who's dancing in paris because mm -hmm. he's now a refugee and his father wouldn't allow him to dance and obviously he's a ballet dancer you may, you may have seen him i just posted it up in my wall two days ago oh, and well. I... <laughs> yeah and um mm. so yeah he he's he's one of the examples of how you can express yourself in your sensuality uh, through dance and as, as Jasmine mentioned poetry writing other forms of artwork mm -hmm. so even I see my work and I imagine you probably see yours as the same as like the magazine and, and the podcast is an expression of art it is kind of it is my activism uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's more of a silent activism because People would never see it as activism unless I was living in the Middle East or something. But as a Western um, Westerner, then I I can express myself in this way. And I think everyone has their own ways of expressing. Uh, mm -hmm. Expressing all the time, we can't we can't not express, or we right. can, and then we get severely depressed and lonely. And that I think that's when. Mm -hmm people shut themselves away in society that's why kind of suicides happen uh, or suicidal thoughts happen which i've been there before it's because i didn't allow myself to express um uh, and yeah. get help as you say like expression yeah. and getting help are those two really important things and you mentioned e egypt and i know how important those uh, teachings in the egyptian mystery schools what for the person listening is the Egyptian mystery schools um, because there isn't a lot of yeah. information out there at the moment. Uh, I know that we've spoke before about the there is one book called the Magdalene Manuscript, which kind of touches on Yeshua's journey with Mary Magdalene, and it it did resonate with me as truth that book. And for anyone who's read it, I know Jasmine has read it that that they were speaking very much about 
uh, Magdalene or Magdalene was speaking about her journey in the Egyptian mystery schools mm. and their journey with Tantra and yoga yeah. and all these different um, mysterious sacred arts mm-hmm. uh, from all parts of the world, from India, from Egypt, from yeah. know, different places. But what are the Egyptian mystery schools and what do they mean to you? Yeah. Well, it's a mystery school. So I feel with as it is a mystery, it unravels itself. And um, at this time, um, it has been dormant. It has been somehow kind of lying behind the veils through time. And I feel what is happening now, which I've noticed in my own being and what I'm seeing around is an awakening to the Egyptian mystery school. It's starting to appear to people in dreams through meditations, through plant medicine journeys, these certain keys and codes that unlock and untap and expand consciousness are coming back. Um, What I've noticed with the Egyptian Mystery School and which others have is that it's really tapping into our life force source energy, which is our sexual energy. And all of life is created from this sexual energy or a life force energy. And it's also a solar force. It comes from the sun It's this powerful inner sun fire that moves through our beings and creates vigor and life and sensual. It's 12 (laughs) o'clock. That's from my computer. You might want to edit that. So, and without this, you know how there's this sometimes a sense of being disconnected from life force. It leaves either us being too locked up in our mental heads, too locked up in our minds, disconnected from our juice, from our sex, our passion, our love, our lust for life. And this Egyptian school really provides, when, I mean, when I go to this land and I touch the earth, my whole being is vibrating with this powerful sun force, but I also feel incredibly powerful. And it's almost like this inner lion or this inner animal wakes up. And it's also very cosmic. So Egypt links in our cosmic lineage our star lineage our ancestry also from the stars but really deeply embodied in ourselves deeply embodied and rooted in earth so that we can incarnate into the divine manifestations that we are in all of our humanness um in the way we eat and the way we dress and the way we sex and the way we love life the way we plant things into earth so it's not an abstract concept it's a way of life in which we're connected with our juice, connected with fertility, connected with changes and cycles of time, and connected with the stars. And that's a part of, um, that's a part when I go there and when I really tap into what the Egyptian mystery school means for me, it's remembering the lineage, our cosmic lineage that we are, we do come from the stars. And we are here and we're here to remember, we're here to awaken. We're here to love and we're here to have the most amazing life possible. And um, it's coming. It's really being birthed, I feel, back into humanity. It's a birthing. It's a fertile process. It happens from our sexuality. It happens from our womb and the power of our womb, the power of our seed, the power of the semen. And it's remembering the power and the life force that we have there. Um... And the Egyptian mystery school is considered the first and the last. Um, It seeded so much of the mysteries on the planet um, at the time. 
And now I feel by awakening and remembering, we're really grounding and anchoring in this mystery school back into the earth. And with that, so many of the thriving temple arts are coming back into life, whether it's dancing or music or the incredible awakening that happens through our understanding of our life force and our sexual energy, and that we come together as humans and we act as mature lovers and <laughs> we remember the power of our sex and how to be mature about it. Um, there's so much energy that, that um, can get built up and create powerful manifestations on our planet, but it's by losing our seed or losing the presence and focus that comes through lovemaking or connecting our hearts with other people where so much of this energy is just, just dissipated rather than really brought into presence. And then we can direct that power and birth amazing things on the planet and in our own lives, ultimately. Um, I love the word Isis, and I'm very connected to the Isis lineage. And um, this word the is, is, isness of life. It's just what is. And tapping into what is. Everything else is a story. Everything else is a drama. Everything takes us away from what is. And what is, is alive and juicy and real, even in its vulnerability, even in its pain and its fear and its, all of it. It's so human. It's so alive. It's so delicious. Um, and by being run by stories and run by drama, we get out of what is. So Isis has this powerful message at the moment, which is remember who you are. Remember, bring together all those scattered pieces of yourself and breathe them and sex them back into life so we become whole again. And there's not this gaping part of ourselves that is so lonely and so detached because there's so many other people who want to reach out and connect. And our nature is to be intimate. Our nature is to love through our bodies and through our hearts and with our sensual sexual energy whether it's connecting sexually with people or not it doesn't matter it's just connecting with the that life juice force of who we are and so we start to show up and by showing up we awaken and then i feel amazing shifts happen and i feel also that's the way how amazing shifts can happen on the planet is just by the simple remembering and awakening to who we are yeah and when you say uh, Isis, you mean the goddess Isis, obviously, um, mm. from Egypt. There's a lot of information about her online and, and different books. And it's it's Magdalene who mentions Isis temple schools. Um, my question is, where are these teachings actually coming from? Like, uh, I know from the International School of Temple Arts, there's different teachings coming through. Uh, are they channeled? Are they coming from books? Where, where, where does this ether of information comes from that that you're disseminating through your work and through Ista's work? Mm. <laughs> um, we inspire each other. We inspire ourselves. I mean, there's books that are read that inspire something that um, it's not just on a level of understanding. It's on a level of experience. Um, sometimes someone says something and something remembers. Uh, sometimes through a deep meditation, a whole practice is revealed. And then maybe two days later on the internet, the same thing is written or someone else writes, they have this amazing experience. It's so interwoven and I feel it's alive in the subconscious and we're tapping into that source. 
So it doesn't really matter. It's just, are you having that experience or not? Um, even with the practices in the book or whatever books, that's great. And then there's a moment to let go of all practices and just listen and be so present for whatever's moving in yourself, in your own, in your own engagement with your meditation or with your partner, or with life or just breathing what's happening inside. That is what it is, you know, um, uh, and not to get too distracted with other people's sharings or pieces or knowledge, but to really allow more of the experience and the inner inspiration to move through. And for women listening who um, are listening to you now, and if I may say, you sound very embodied, you sound very goddess-like, you sound um, mm. like uh, a very interesting woman to spend time with. For women listening and they're thinking uh, she's tapped into her femininity more more so than I perhaps am and I would like to uh, f feel what she's feeling. Where does a woman start? Where, where does she mm. need to look first? Mm. Inside. It's within. Um, deep inside, especially the womb. Um, the womb, tapping into my womb shifted everything for me. It, it went from a great conceptual level um, from a really high planed aspect, really deep down into my womb, a lot of tears came from there. A lot of grieving came from there. A lot of rage happened. It was where ultimately the deepest healing and transformation happened. Um, for women, especially, it's connecting to your cycle, connecting to your moon blood, um, you know, putting the blood back into the earth. Those are powerful practices that really start to anchor in a deeper womb presence. It's so important as women to connect to our wombs. And if we don't, there'll always be, I feel, a part that feels disconnected from life, um, disconnected from a sense of deep sensuality and beauty. And beauty and love are key, especially beauty. I was feeling into that yesterday. I was like, what is it that I'm longing for? And the word beauty came up. And it wasn't just beauty in its beautiful outside appearance, but to find that sense of beauty in everything, in death, especially in death, in the darkness, in the times of life where things are hell, the times of life where there's a deep transformation that is so hard to move through. And life isn't all beautiful in the sense that it's a bowl of roses and it's just going to be amazing when you're spiritual. It's going to be one amazing fun ride. It's not. <laughs> There's challenges. And to find the beauty in those challenges and to hold oneself and allow those tears to fall and to forgive and to forgive and to forgive deeper than ever before to come to a place of deep self-love. Um, I feel there's so much power given away sometimes to others. And that leaves a deep sense of abandonment. Um, but to come home by holding oneself, stroking oneself, starting self-love practices, self-pleasure practices, all that is so important, especially for women, because we have physical wombs, we bleed, and we are the ones that birth the children. And if our womb is stored with pain and shame and fear and guilt, and it's all accumulated in there, we can't pass on that beauty and that love, that grace, that virtue, and that juice to our future generations because we're living in old stories. Um, we have to clear our wounds. And the only way to do that is to feel so deeply and allow that to come out 
through the tears, through the rage, through our creative expression, and take responsibility and not hurt others through that process. Yeah, because the womb is is the creative center of of a womb, and also f for a man, uh, our etheric wombs, or we do have these centers of uh, creation in all of us, and it's important that they are cleansed and um, free mm -hmm. of pain. And I think that's a that's a that's a journey in itself to free yourself up from those shackles of, of whatever they are um, it's gonna take many different things it's like a podcast I did uh, a few podcasts back with Prana uh, he said that the the most important thing in, in this journey is taking the first step and from that point the universe will collude to help you um, mm -hmm. and your real only part of the journey the, the most important thing is that you start that first step is that something you would agree with in terms of the um clearing the wombs or is there actual um practical things that someone can start with mm -hmm. yeah of course what you shared is like the intention the powerful intention that's unwavering it's like i will connect to my womb i am prepared to go there it's not an easy place to journey to because there's so much there but it's the power source um yes intention and then there are practical ways to clear our womb um and it could be through things like of course detoxing or deciding to be celibate for a while or um choosing to, you know, yoni steams or and all of that. But I feel for me, the most powerful way I have cleared my womb is to clear the, all the emotional baggage, all the dark, dense, murky feelings that I've been feeling and give that voice, give it space to be present and not be afraid of the intensity of my grief, the intensity of my fear, the intensity of my rage, and to find practical tools. How can I create a ceremony to clear my womb and it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's a powerful release. Um, and so womb clearing, uh, through grieving, allowing the tears to come out, allowing even the sounds to come out, allowing the wailing to come out when it feels authentic and you're ready. That's a powerful way to start clearing the womb. And also just breathing into the womb, breathing out gently, breathing in and breathing out, putting your hands on your womb, you know, putting a crystal on your womb. And whatever feels at the moment appropriate, but to stay connected and on a daily basis to just put your hand there and say, hi, womb, <laughs> you know, breathing in, I'm connected, I'm connected, staying connected. It's very important. And another piece I want to add to that, Steve, which I feel is very important for women is also we have a womb, but we also, as you said, you have an etherical uh, womb yourself. We as women also have our etherical lingams or our cocks or our penis. And this is an important part is that we start to remember and put the pieces of our own scattered masculine together. Because if we're going to go into those places and really heal it, we're going to need some powerful presence to hold a point for that. Otherwise, it's scary, it's chaotic, and it could lead to, to self-destruction. It's only through a loving inner masculine presence that can hold that. And that women feel their own lover right there holding her in her his powerful presence. Can she move through that? 
And um, so as much as it's the feminine mysteries, it's also the deep masculine mysteries too, and merging them together. And that's what I feel the Isis mystery school or the Egyptian mystery school is, is bringing that Isis back, fusing it with the Assyrian, bringing the masculine feminine together. So we birth our inner child in the Egyptian mystery school, that's Horus. And that's also the androgynous being. And when we're androgynous, we come home to ourselves and we live without that polarity anymore. And it sounds great, you know, it sounds like a great concept, but how do we start to really have that experience? And so that's the journey we're on right now. Yeah, and though that journey of the masculine holding the feminine it, from my teacher, um, Chandra, who took me through um, a very deep journey in, into healing my own masculine and feminine. She would always say, for women, well, and for men, it's the same for both. But you have to have your masculine in a masculine step up into unconditional love and constantly and every, in every moment and every difficulty that he is unconditionally loving the feminine to wake her, her up. And she would always go back to the story of Sleeping Beauty where mm. okay. she was asleep for... I don't know, it was 100, 100 years, I think. We, we can take that to, to <laughs> almost be infinite time uh, because the feminine, uh, the well, I mean, th I think both sides of masculine and feminine it hasn't been fully woken up for thousands, of, in, uh, thousands and thousands of years. So when you do consciously step up to your unconditionally loving masculine, then your feminine will awaken from the sleep and remember who she is and who she is is pure innocence and nur mm. nurturing love and it's m my most simplest explanation mm -hmm. um she embodies those two characteristics and more but those two are the pre pre predominant ones um and the integrity and the unconditional love of, of the masculine holds uh, her nurturing love and um innocence completely mm -hmm. yeah yeah um sure and and there's also a part of the masculine that's fast asleep and the feminine is alive i mean nature's happening you know and it's like where's the presence to notice what <laughs> the nature is happening so both sides i feel like it could be speaking beauty masculine or feminine but there's a part of humanity that's asleep there's a part yeah. of our you know that's asleep and we're waking up to that and it's a beautiful journey to to be asleep and to start to wake up. Huh? Yeah, it's certainly a very interesting journey. People say, mm -hmm. people call it the spiritual journey, or you can call it what you want. It's certainly a... Who wrote this script? I don't know. Um, <laughs> mm. I'd like to know. Meet, maybe meet him one day. Maybe it was just one one of us. The one of us, we decided to write the script to wake ourselves up because we didn't have anything better to do. Right. Coming towards the end of the podcast, but uh, is there anything you want to say specifically uh, that you haven't touched on so far to the people listening? Words of advice if they're starting their journey or they're on their journey? What, what do you see as... Perhaps what do you see the... Mm. vision of, of the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years of humanity arising with the temple schools. Mm -hmm. as well. 
Mm. Yeah, it's a good note to end. So, um, oh, just a piece of uh, advice, if you want to call it advice, is just you know, be in love with yourself, stay in self-love and do everything that makes you feel good about who you are and make that the priority in your life because nothing else matters. Nothing else matters that you're in your love and being out of love just does not feel good and being out of love creates disharmony and attack and disconnect from people and no one wants to live that way. No one does. So stay in love. Um, with yourself is probably the piece of advice that I feel is just has served me and continues to remind me and to wake me up more and more. Um, mm -hmm. With the vision of humanity, um, well, you know, it's like looking at just how things have evolved from, you know, the Indian mysticism to, uh, to all the plant medicine that's awakening and then to the Native Indian shamanism from North America, and then there's a beautiful Buddhism, and there's things happening in the Aborigines, and all these indigenous cultures are waking up. And I feel a big piece is coming from from Egypt, which is really tapping into our raw life force source energy and um, and recreating ourselves. So I feel as a sense of what's happening on the planet and what I'm seeing. Uh, Ten years ago, I had a vision that there would be something called living mystery schools and beings would come together and live in these mystery schools and go through these initiations like they did in the past. And it would be gardens, beautiful gardens, um, spaces where people connect, live together. And the basic day-to-day -day life happens there too. The, the eating together, the celebrations of the moon, the cycles, the, the dancing, the, uh, the, all the self-care rituals, the, the the spa rituals, all those things that make us feel good and allow us to tap in more into our body and really fuse our consciousness with our bodies. And I'm seeing that happen. And the first mystery school with ISTA is already anchored in, and that's in New Zealand. And part of what we're in December, there's a journey uh, with uh, Bruce Lyon and Des and myself and Alicia to, and a group of beings to really anchor in the living mystery school in Egypt and to allow that to also be a garden, a space, a building where people can come, rest, take time to go on these deeper initiations and really tap into to the cosmos embodied in their human being bodies. So, um, And I feel this is happening and flowering and opening up all over the planet. And, I, and it's happening fast. And in the next 5 to 10 to 20 years, because uh, this is how I want to live and how I want to bring my birth my children is to live in communities of love and beings uh, in artistry and in the just the day-to-day -day living with nature, the day-to-day -day living with love and connection to um, the world around us, using media as a way, books, films, movies, um, all this reaching the masses. And I personally have this deep longing to tap in more into you know, the mass consciousness, which is the mainstream, and in the most simple things, you know, without it having to be some high spiritual philosophy, the most simple things I feel create the most, you know, powerful effect. And the fact is, we all come from sexuality, we all long for deep connection, the food we eat is important, the way we nurture ourselves is crucial and key to living a healthy life. 
And these are very basic things, right, Steve? I mean, it's nothing like major, but these are probably the most embodied spiritual practices that we can have. And slowly over time, start things start to happen and people start to realize living in stress is no longer that cool. And it creates a lot of friction. So how, how can more of this consciousness and more of this juicy pleasure come back into everyone's life? Um, so using media in a way to reach beings. And I feel these living mystery schools will have that kind of sophisticated media reaching out through uh, movies and, and, and just starting to reach humanity on a very basic heart level. Um, and I feel over the years, it's just going to expand more and more. Um, and it's not going to be all the airy-fairy spiritual la-di-da, but it's going to be the most basic, you know, down-to-earth experience that we can have. Beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I might well be on that Egyptian journey. It's the 23rd of November, 2017, mm -hmm. and uh, 10 days down the Nile. Um, there's more information on that. And it's, there's other workshops uh, on schooloftemplearts.org. So, and I, I've mentioned on previous podcasts that I've done this, the level one back in uh, 2013 in, in Guatemala. It was very much probably the most life-changing workshop i've i've done so mm -hmm. i highly recommend Esther's work highly recommend jasmine's work uh, where can people find out more about your work um well i uh i'm on the ista website so you can check my profile i'm also my website is www.egyptian-templearts.com um i'm also uh on facebook uh if you Check on my wall if you're uh, if you have access to that. You'll find a list of the events also, and of course on the website. Um, yeah, I just want to note too that last year um, I had the the privilege uh, to organize the first ancient Egyptian yoga teacher training that's accredited by Yoga Alliance, and this is also something is bringing back the um, ancient Egyptian yoga practice because right now Indian is very main uh, widespread, but ancient Egypt also had one based on Egyptian cosmology, which may interest some of you yogis out there. So, Will you be yeah. doing any of that on the Nile trip? There will be that on the Nile trip, yep. And the whole, I mean, uh, the whole month of October, there's a teacher training happening too in Egypt and on a, on a yearly basis. So every year there'll be an ancient Egyptian yoga teacher training happening. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in that. Um, so, yeah, great to have you on. Uh, continue up all the great work you're doing. Thank uh, you, Steve. It was so, I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you so much. And I've had a really, it's been such a sweet journey. Um, I've had a lot of fun sharing. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Hope to speak to you again soon. Mm -hmm. And thank you all listeners out there um, for just, listening and being open to receive and i love receiving from all beings too so yeah happy for that connection thank you thank you for listening to the raw attraction magazine podcast if you've enjoyed it please share it and spread the love until next time we wish you a loving sexy and intimate week